0: Greetings and welcome to this edition of the Northwest Woodworking Studio podcast. I'm Gary Rogalski. Today's podcast is on the nature of workmanship. Here we have this craft, this way of being in the world, this series of exercises through which we can make these objects. It's fun to sit back and consider some of the aspects of this work. When I first began, of course, I was completely, if not if not mindless, numb uh, to the possibilities. There are so many. This is one of the uh, paradoxes of, of learning a craft, perhaps, perhaps a paradox in any field. Perhaps it's a paradox of education then. When you start out, You don't know anything, and there's plenty to learn, and you have high standards, and that sort of gets in the way because you know what you want your work to look like, but you don't know yet how to get there. So that creates some issues. You know, you work at it a few years, and uh, you start to get pretty good at it. It's, uh, you know, coming quicker, faster. Um, You get some idea of what's going on, and then you get this... I don't know if it's an idea in your head or just this, this sense, well, of, of arrogance, I guess. Because you start walking around going, yeah, I know some stuff. Yeah, I've been doing this five years. I know some stuff. And that's really pretty sad because in another few years, you'll realize what an idiot you were. Um, I tell a story about uh, one of my mastery students, Rich, who was running a big crew. And he, he lays uh, hardwood floors and was running a big crew for a while. and he said, "You get these guys coming in, and after a few years, you know they'd be you know pulling up their pants, and hiking up their belt and going, "Yeah, I know this stuff." Yeah, they really didn't, but they had to go around bragging like they did, I guess to just sort of cover their their own uh, ignorance and uh, you know lack of confidence. And uh, I was certainly the same way, and I thought I knew everything, and I really didn't. Time teaches us folks involved in these crafts. And, uh, you know, after a few more years, you realize, oh, I don't know that much stuff. I do know some things. But then you realize, with a certain amount of humility now, that there is a great deal more to be learned. And that's a wonderful thing to discover. You think that that you want to get to the point where you can hike up your pants and go, yeah, I know all this stuff. But really, what's better is to get to that point where you say, oh, right, I don't know that much stuff. This is what I know, and it's small compared to what I now know is out there. You walk through this door, this door into this world of, of craft or whatever you're doing. You're creating art, you're learning to write or dance or sing or whatever it is. It's only after you can take a few steps, have a few years under your belt, that you start to recognize how large it is, how large that world is, how much there is to know. This is one of the great things about being alive and being uh, curious, is learning, wanting to learn to plumb the depths of some idea, subject matter. I don't know. Uh, I keep going back to this way of being because it's a, it's a choice. If you decide to be a dancer, let's say, it's a choice of, of being in the world. If you decide to be a singer, it's a choice. And everything that you do works towards that end. You know, you're protecting your throat, you're learning to breathe properly, you're all of the things. And I'm no singer. Uh, but all of those things start to add up to that And everything's working towards that end. And the same thing is true for, for craft. is learning to understand the tools and understand oneself. How to get those two working together towards a common goal. The nature of workmanship. Interesting stuff. At first we're ignorant. Then we are overconfident. And then comes humility. And with that humility... It allows you to be curious again, and that curiosity can take us for for many years. And that's the great thing. That is the great thing. I'm at it now, many decades into this work, and there is still so much to play around with, so much to learn, so many things to try out. And I haven't grown tired of it a bit. That's the gift. Now, workmanship itself can take... uh, Well, there's decisions that need to be made. Okay, so you're building a piece, and you need to decide the purpose of the piece, what its function is. But then you need to decide upon its intent, its intention. Uh, Coming up this Friday, uh, May 17th, we're going to have a chat, a design open house on this very topic, intention. So, yes, it's a chair, but how do you want to feel when you sit in this chair? And we're not just talking about comfort. Do you want to feel like a king or a queen, or do you want to feel like a, a schmo? <laughs> That's the chair you get in, in those uh, cheap motels. There's a way that you can build something and create something that will uh, inform the experience. That's intention. What is, the, what is your intent in building the piece? What are you trying to do? How well do you want to build this piece? Um, is it being done for money? Uh, or is it being done for uh, pleasure? Is it hobby? Um, that informs the piece on many, many levels because you, your work changes depending on what you know, what your tooling is, and how fast you need to get it done. So when I started, all I knew was I could cut dados on my radial arm saw. Oh, I was good at cutting dados, so all my pieces were built with dados, which is a pretty crappy joint, unless you're strengthening it somehow. What do you, what do you know how to do? What is what is your tooling? So that goes hand in hand with your with your knowledge. You may know how to hand chop a mortise, but you're stuck on a desert island with only a, a hollow chisel mortiser, or some odd thing like that. Uh, so, what sort of tooling do you have available? Uh, to you. What can you use in order to get the job done? And that will limit you. If you can develop your own tools, if you learn hand skills, these can open up possibilities for you. My own approach is to have as many tools at my disposal, from hand tools to power tools and routers, that I can choose which one is best for the job, both for Accuracy and speed and longevity. Uh, what's going to give me the best results? And well, usually it's a commission piece, so in the short amount of time. If I'm building for myself, I don't care. I'm going to do it, so it's so it's right. And that may take a little bit longer, but I'm worth it. <laughs> in fact, you know, I got to say, building stuff for for people is. Is fine. Uh, there's this odd relationship that uh, happens because of the the money that uh, that gets in the way of, of uh, just enjoying this, this process. But there it is. You need a certain amount of money, and uh, you have a client, and they want to pay a certain amount, and uh, you get involved in this relationship. I wish we had developed as a as a culture in a way that would allow our craftspeople, the people who made things, to be able to just do their work. Here, here's a stipend. Go to work. Make us stuff. Don't, don't hassle us with anything else. Here's your health care. Here's your food. Here's housing. Go build stuff. Give it away. We will provide for you. Give it away. Whatever it takes to build, build it. Get better at it. Get better at it every time you you build that piece, but you give it away. You don't have to deal with the money aspect of it. Because as soon as you put that filter over building a piece, you've changed the, the dynamic. It's like the watched experiment, yes? Changing things with the observer. As soon as you put that money filter on there, then you're making decisions based upon that. So, do I cut corners here or do I cut corners here i've got to, you know I've got only so much time in order to get this done. Workmanship can take different forms. I'm involved in a remodeling project now on a on a place up here in Lyle, and uh, the carpenter comes up here and he knows what he's doing and he charges me by the hour. If it takes longer, it takes longer, but he has that skill in place. The problem of uh, for craft is oftentimes you're building something brand new to you, or even if it's a repeat of a of a favorite project, there is some fussing that goes on, and uh, do you charge a client do you eat that time up? Um, the difference I think between craft and uh, a skilled tradesman uh, or tradeswoman is the uh, willingness to do your best work. Some people are, are that way. Some some people are that way. But oftentimes it's, okay, I've got only so much time. i got to cut a corner here and you're not going to see it. Boom, it's done. There's a decision that's being made. Whereas craft, there is that idea of getting better each time, trying to do your best work each time. And that That really messes with your head, (laughs) I'm sorry to say. But it's true. The nature of workmanship there is in trying to get better. A craftsperson is, is trying to do their best work each and every time and trying to learn the skill each and every time. And since the Greeks, they do work that is not highly valued. It's just a fact. Um, in Richard Sennett's great book, The Craftsman, he talks about uh, how the Greeks would consider craftspeople as sort of akin to poets and doing work that was charming, doing work that was good, but not essential, not essential for life. And there's a, that that difference between needing a plumber and needing a piece of furniture that intrudes upon the relationship uh, between the client and the, and the craftsperson. And the craftsperson at some point has to decide, well, I'm making it for money. Do I do this extra work or do I let it go? I know that I used to spend, uh, oh, countless hours in argument with myself about, well, should I do this? I really want to do this. I've been working hard on this piece, and that's, yeah, I'm getting killed on time, but, you know, instead of making my $40 an hour, I'm making $20 an hour, but by golly, I just got to do this. It just is really important. If you are obsessed like that, like me, you just have to let it go or figure out the shortcut. And if you can't do that, if you can't swallow that shortcut, you just have to let it go and say, I'm not going to get paid for this. That's Okay. I'm not going to get paid for this time. But I'm doing my best work and I can I can sleep well with that. The thing that comes along with that decision is that you get a lifetime pass on the poverty train. Um so it's a it's not a way of making money. It's a way of being in the world to decide to do your best work. And if you have been around someone who you know cuts corners at every opportunity, you see that in their work. You see that in their face, in their life. The work is not important to them. What they're doing is not important, so that they, they can cut corners. But if it has value to the worker, then it's very difficult to make those shortcuts. The final thing, of course, is um, how quickly the piece needs to be made, and if it's a Christmas present, it is, by definition, late, you know, I'm years behind. So those those decisions can uh, you know, oh, I gotta get it done by tomorrow or I need to get it it ready for the critique. That will oftentimes uh, change your decision making patterns. But there are all these things that enter into the decision of of how you're going to build a piece. How well will it will it be made, how quickly can you get it done? And if you are not under the burden of of having to build things for money, then you can build it as as slow as you need, and recognize that the value of it is in the process of building it. The gravy is that there's a piece at the end of it that you give away, and still recognize that it's yours. Every piece I've built, it's still mine. That's how I feel. I may not even recognize it. I got a little box. Got a little box from my mom. Uh, and um, I don't, didn't remember making it, but it had, all the, it had all the earmarks of my work from 40 years ago. It was just a little jewelry box. And I said, yeah, yeah, I built that. Even the big pieces. Some people uh, write their name, burn their initials, or trademark. Chris, I think, puts a silver dollar in his big pieces of the year that the piece was made. Um, I have I have a very simple approach. I just carve my initials into the bottom and let it go. Um, not that interested in, in dating it. Um, I do have full records of of all my pieces, so if someone was really interested, they could uh, they could correlate when the piece was made. But the uh, stamp that the worker puts on this work is is. In the in the work itself, it is in the details. I'll tell you a story. Um, this lady came by and she said, "I have a George Nakashima chair. I have a, uh, or my boyfriend has a George Nakashima chair, and one of the spindles fell out." I said, "That's weird. I got to remember the name of this design. It's the it's the conoid chair. So it's a cantilevered seat. Um, something like twelve or thirteen spindles for the back, and they're pretty thin." and two legs, and a foot at the bottom, so it's stable. It's a nice looking chair. And I thought, a spindle fell out. How in the heck can a spindle fall out? And I'm thinking, all right, so how am I going to get a spindle in there? And I'm thinking, well, I could, you know, make a spindle, and then cut it in two, and scarf it back together, and maybe put a little tiny pin in the scarf joint, or maybe I could bend it, get it really hot, and then bend it, and stick it in place, and but I didn't know I was waiting to get the chair So the lady brought the chair in And the seat was all wrapped up In newspaper And tape and stuff And so I took all that stuff off And the seat parted The seat The glue joints just opened up And that's how the spindle fell out The glue gave way And the spindle just dropped out I went oh That's what happened Bad glue joint I guess Stuff happened but I looked at the chair because I, you know, there was, there was a mark on it. I don't remember right now whether George's—I don't believe George's name was on it—but there was a number on it or something like that. Um, so, you know, I'm looking to see how do I know this is an nakashima chair? I mean, obviously it's the design of, of one of his, one of his chairs. But how do I know it's this master's chair? And I started looking at the details. I Started looking at the foot. And underneath the foot, how there was this little r- reveal cut out, this little little shaping at the bottom of the foot, where no one was going to touch except maybe the furniture mover. Um, but it was those little things. I said, "That's that's the the mark of a master. Someone taking care for these little details that no one will see and maybe no one will notice, but it was important to him when he built it. That's the difference. And that's the difference you see in work. That's really." built with care, the nature of workmanship can change us and change our our stance in the world. And so I urge you to consider your work, consider the time and effort you put into it, and if those extra details uh, might really be worth putting into a piece. I want to mention that uh, one of my listeners sent me a photo of one of his pieces recently. Sweet little spice cabinet nice little cabinet, and this wacky little detail tapering the sides. Sweet. Useless. Glorious to behold. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about, is that that little detail that just makes the piece different so that you know it didn't come off an assembly line. It came off the hands of someone who, who cared about it. And that's what you need to imbue your work with. So I hope you'll You'll consider that as you get back to the bench and get back to work. Maybe you're working now. If so, carry on and uh, come and visit us at the studio. The Design Open House, Friday, May 17th, is on intention, as I mentioned. Please join us for that. We hope to do a, a podcast of the event if you can't make it, so stay tuned for that. And uh, please join us again. If you like what you hear, buy me a coffee. There's a, a link on our site. You can. Help support this podcast and and our efforts. And please visit us at the studio, northwestwoodworking.com. Check out our summer classes. Glorious summer. Take care. Bye-bye.